0: This week's episode of the Inside Running Podcast is proudly sponsored by On. Cushioning or performance? Why not take both? The Cloud Stratus 3 evolves a legend with an updated speedboard, even softer cushioning and innovative new design features with all this added to double cloud tech cushioning to double the comfort without slowing you down. Visit on.com or your specialty running retail store to grab your pair today.
1: To the August, late August edition of Inside Running Podcast Shoe Geek Spinoff Show. We are joined here by Jordan Donnelly from On Running. Welcome, Jordan.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to yeah, to be in your audience, in your on your panel today.
1: Okay, yeah. So Jordan, <laughs> you're gonna get a chance to explain who you are and and why we've um, reached out to uh, have you on, and, and, and you've been so generous. To, we had to work through a few. You've got a team around you, mate. We haven't had to do that before. Probably the biggest dog we've had on here. Um, and you're such a big dog. You might have your own fans. So your own fans following along here, they might not know who us three are. So I'll do a quick, quick few intros. So we've got here Tommy DeCano. is the um, the one on the screen here with the, the big ears. So <laughs> He's a podiatrist from um, Pinnacle Podiatry. He is history in footwear retail, worked at Nike Town in London, represented Australia at World Half Marathon Champs. He was a 214 marathoner. Uh, you've got Nitto. Nitto's a uh, podiatrist as well. He's, I think he got ranked in the top 100 in Adelaide podiatry. <laughs> He's um, the fast guy, sprinter. He This man loves bikes more than anyone I know, and when you drop your spikes over here, this guy was in my DMs because uh, I sell them and he was hassling me like nothing else. Um, yeah, he's a sub. What do you run for 15? You know?
3: I'm still sub four. I'm 38. I still go sub four, So, um, but only just at this age. So we, we stay in the present. Age-related age pace is not too bad. Thank yeah. God for
2: super spikes.
3: Absolutely, <laughs> mate. Imagine if I had them when I was 25.
1: yeah Mm. and i'm um i actually beat tommy in that 214 race to become 214 man uh (laughs) i'm the retailer of the group so i'm the one who looks at shoes differently to these other boys um Mm. i look at the commercial uh the commercial elements to them a little more um so jordan we uh we better get you to introduce yourself mate
2: yeah so i'm jordan um i work on i've been here for about just over two years, two years and two weeks, actually. Um, I got into running, I guess I was about 16 in high school mm. after being a football or soccer player. Um, then I went to college running and so on. Um, worked in a couple of running stores, you know, slinging a lot of shoes in London at college. And then, yeah, worked my way through and up the ranks, let's say, of the past 15 years. Um, found myself on, Uh yeah. Were you were you athletes. running
3: all this time as well? Obviously, you went to college. You uh, obviously love mm-hmm. your riding. Were you a middle distance runner, long distance runner, or
2: yeah, so eight hundred meters, uh two lap gang. Um that's what I've done pretty much the whole time. I mean, obviously yep. jumped in a few marathons and stuff. Now I get a little bit older. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, eight hundred meters, that's the one for me. Um I've I'm on a streak now for twenty years running sub two in the eight hundred. Well done. I Maybe a hundred fifty of them in a row, sub two, with an average of about one fifty-three. So yeah, Jeez. it's uh, yeah. yeah. have still a lot of a
1: lot of track workouts still. Then,
2: yeah, I mean, like we'll get into it, I guess, later on. But yeah, my job is to lead the the product creation team here and on in the innovation team, building all the products for the athletes, so spikes, road shoes, training shoes, apparel, and so on, with a was- whole other team of people. So. You know, it's really important that we can test the product ourselves and feel what the athlete feels. So it's a good excuse to stay in shape.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I've been telling these two guys that, you know, track runners go to die in the marathon. So we're all getting older, we go to die at the marathon. So
1: <laughs> he hasn't yet, has he?
3: <laughs> he hasn't, he's still going. I've been what, still kicking. following your Instagram in Budapest and looks like you're still doing good track workouts, Jordan.
2: Yeah, I mean f- well, yeah, you know, when you're there, you're at the warm-up track, everyone's, you know, mm. doing stuff. Okay, jump in a few workouts, pace a few of the athletes, and um yeah, yeah, it's good fun. You get a, a bit more adrenaline, you can always get one more, one more rep in, you know. Yeah.
1: How was Budapest?
2: Um, oh, I was amazing. Um, I mean, for many reasons, us as a brand, we have more and more athletes. Now we had thirty-eight athletes compared to twenty-six the year before. Wow. um, we had some really good successes, with, especially the OAC athletes. We had, from down by your ways, George Beamish. He got a fifth place in the steeple, in his eighth ever yeah. steeplechase. We have his, his spikes here, signed Geordie Beamish. We'll speak about that Very later. Um, yep. But yeah, across the board, just really positive for us. Really good validation of all the hard work we're putting together with athletes, product, everything coming together before the big dance this time next year in Paris.
1: So out of interest, Jordan, do you know how many on athletes were at uh let's say Doha world champs?
2: Yeah, we had six, uh six in Doha. Um then we had eight in Tokyo in um Tokyo Olympics, but none of them were in on spikes. Unfortunately, the mm-hmm. early age of super spikes, the brand wasn't quite there yet with the product and we did not want to you know, if you make the Olympics, it might be once in your life, and we didn't want to compromise any athletes' performance. So we allowed them to race in a slightly different product while we were still developing what you see today.
3: And then- there's so
1: much chatter back then, wasn't there? So much chatter mm. about that. Yeah. It was like there was the argument that it was great for the brand because it showed that you care about your athletes. Mm. And then there was like those that were saying that it was hurts the credibility of the brand as well as just sort of really kind of divisive chat.
3: Yeah, I mean But it um it came to fruition. I think it was it the Milrose Games we saw. It was an indoor event and you had a few a few athletes just jump into them and you had this blinder of a weekend and then the spikes just shot up. I think I think Jordy might have snuck in and won a 3K indoors. I think Alicia wore the spike and and then suddenly it's gone from um, you know, the spike doesn't exist to the spike wins races only. So
2: yeah, I, I give you a little bit of a timeline. So we started the project that's called the Lightning team. And our job is to create the products for the athletes. And we started on 15th of August, 2021. So right at the end of Tokyo Olympics, uh, we met with Dathan, the OEC coach, Ollie Hoare, Alicia Monson and Jordi Beamish. They came here to Zurich for the Zurich Diamond League, which is actually tomorrow. Mm. Um, Yeah, we did some little workshops, started gathering some insights and so on from them. And then we just got to work. That was in August, 2021. And then by the time we got to October, we had some handmade spikes just cobbled Hell together yeah. in our small factory here mm-hmm. in the office. Um, and then we turned them into real first samples. We flew from Vietnam directly to Florida. The athletes were doing a warm weather training camp, even though it was in the you know, pissing down rain. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they tested the spikes. I think it was a Wednesday. Ollie George Beamish, Joe Klecker, Alicia—they all did a workout on the Wednesday. They liked them, and then they put them on on the Saturday at the Millrose Games. And mm. yeah, we say the rest is history. George Beamish mm. uh, won that 3k in a famous big kick. Alicia won the mm. 3k. Ollie won the one and make a mile, and mm. Sage ran a 4:24 mile. Actually, we've got this is the first prototype here. We have got it cut open so you can see what's inside. Um, we can definitely. get into the specifics yeah. of that. A bit later on but yeah that was already five months after we started and then go another six months further down the line into the summer season and we had um yeah national records in oslo for ollie he ran his 347 mile and then all, all the athletes in eugene at the world champs had the spikes and then we were sold a small number of them then it was still difficult with covid shutdowns in china with some of our key suppliers but um yeah. That seems like a it's,
4: pretty a pretty quick turnaround compared to what I hear from other footwear companies saying how long it can take from concept to actually producing a spine or a shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's is that do you think that's because how, how do you think you got it out relatively quick?
2: Yeah, There's, so we had we had a team of three of us. We all started at the same time, coming from different competitors. So we had the general idea, like, well, <laughs> Maybe like fifteen mm-hmm. years of experience of how to do it, um, yeah, and we just like literally just working night and day, nonstop, um, you know, just full gas to make it happen and breaking all the rules of just like flying back and forth to Asia and mm. yeah, um, yeah, in in order. What are the yeah one yeah. one of the
3: one of the one of the big reasons we wanted to get you on was in that process a lot of a lot of the um the people were building shoes and getting objective data in the lab trying to work out whether we can make a runner more economical and i'm not sure if it was a podcast I heard you on. you talked about using the athlete specifically and getting a lot of subjective feedback from the athlete and it was a bit different to other brands, especially the large brands you were working closer with the athlete. Can you sort of give us a bit of insight even on the early ideas were you're using Athlete feedback more to produce the shoe or were we using more objective data and testing and things? Um, was there a ratio, or was there was it was yeah. a bias towards one way more than the other?
2: No, we have we're using different perspectives and different angles to figure out which was the best option because we didn't just make one spike like this, this distance spike, for example. You can see it says 1.1. So mm. we had 10 different options of this, and that's combinations of different plates and different foams and so on. So we tried to use. Yeah, three or four different sources to end up with the, the right um the right product. So of course you got athlete subjective feedback, what they mm. feel, what they mm. they, they feel in. Um then we have um different biomechanical and physiological physiological tests. Mm. Um so we're measuring running economy, so running around with a, a VO2 master or a Spira on. Mm. So for example, we did uh three days, uh five spikes each day and mixing it up and running a mile in each spike and really seeing the running economy of, you know, the running 20 kilometers an hour or three minutes a yeah. K um, for about yeah a mile in each one. And we can see, okay, if you run the same pace um, in the different shoes, like what's the running economy? So how much energy do you need to use to run at that same pace? And we could see with different combinations of foams and plates, okay, this one you might yeah. have to use a lot of oxygen to run that pace and this other option maybe you can use less oxygen but still run at the same pace so that's a second perspective which we can see.
1: Just um, um, quickly yep. Jordan, sorry to interrupt do you mm-hmm. use competitive shoes within, in that testing as well?
2: Yeah of course, There's, um, I mean I have to pay big respect to our competitors like Nike Dragonfly there was a reason why the whole Tokyo Olympic start line was wearing that same spike and it was the benchmark of the best one in the industry so yeah that's part of early on in the process doing a lot of reverse engineering of competitors to find out exactly what they do and how they do it not just the best ones but also ones which were not too good so we mm-hmm. can not make the same mistakes maybe of some of the competitors who didn't quite do the best job um yeah that's a huge part of the process as well to that's the the mark you know when we know unless we get over that bar then our athletes are you know, gonna be standing on the start line and maybe not the best product, then we can't accept that. Yeah.
4: Hey, Jordan, on, on the um on the the objective metrics versus subjective from from the guys and girls, it was it, did you find it was a pretty strong correlation with with like perceived comfort and and better economy or was it a bit of a mixed bag?
2: Yeah, there was I mean of the 10 spikes, there was two options which were by far correlating both the same in terms of subjective and the data. Um, yeah. And that, that had to do with like stiffness and weight was like mm. playing a big part into it because we had five different compounds of different plates from like pure carbon, like extremely stiff to like kind of blends of like TPU plastics, which were like mm. super flexible and like the mm-hmm. three others in between. And then similar with the foam, uh, you know, what everyone knows now with like this PBAC super foams, if there's like... Mm super cushy ones and ones which are a little bit firmer. So we could already see quite a lot of clustering of um, the same feedback subjective versus the different data we use. And then also another perspective we use, which is mechanical testing. Mm. And that's where we have like five different lab tests, which we subject the shoe to mechanically um, to see, you know, like deformation rates and energy return, different stiffnesses, resilience and so on. Um, And they also, against the competitors, if you use them as a benchmark, Mm. luckily for us, the ones which the athletes liked the most and had the best test results were also showing mechanically to, to be the most
3: optimal as well. Oh, that's interesting. I know some of the data that came out in some of the original super shoes and even the Alpha Fly, they were saying some of the attributes or the mechanical attributes or the ground contact time would increase in those shoes, but the length of stride would actually be a bit longer. And I reckon I saw a, a brief Instagram post. I think it might be from Dathan saying that perhaps during the process, um, Joe Klecker was using the shoe and there was a, a three to four centimetre um, like length and stride increase when he was wearing the 10,000 spike. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that sort of matches with his intuition. It was more economical. He was getting more back from the foam and getting more. I think Tom's question was, was there a huge variability between the athletes and those foams? And um, or was a particular type of athlete, a particular pace able to get more back from the shoe. Was there an individual response?
2: Yeah. So on the spikes, most of the athletes preferred basically the same one. When it comes to the road shoe, when there's a lot more material, like 40 millimeters, that's where we've seen more of a a variance there. Um, We had some athletes who were, you know, if you look at their ground force reaction, they were like Mm. really powerful and and heavy. Mm. And they could like, they almost wanted a bit of a stiffer foam versus some of the maybe longer distance athletes who were not producing as much force. Uh, They were opted for the, the softer foam. But then when we looked into the data, we were like, "Yeah, if you really want to go for the stiffer foam, you're gonna, your running economy is less, or like it's not going to be as good, and you're gonna lose a little bit more uh, mechanically." Um, going back to the Joe Klecker thing, the the four mm-hmm. centimeter longer stride length, mm-hmm. that was against basically the worst option versus the best option of the ten. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put the Nike Dragonfly, it was about one point five centimeters yeah uh, a long, longer stride right. length, which is it's still if you multiply it i mean yeah, if you've got yeah. a two meter stride and a ten k that's five thousand mm. steps you're taking so five thousand mm. times one point five centimeters is a lot um mm. but then you also have to balance that like okay, if your stride is longer, you might be putting more load on like your hamstrings or your glutes, mm. for example, like the it might increase the work in a different muscle group, so yep. we also have to be very careful of that as well of like you know <laughs> you mentioned earlier before like on like the nike alpha fly the ground mm. contact time is quite a lot longer and people might think that's a bad yep. thing but actually it's mm. great because you're loading up more of the foams. Nice. The... yeah exactly yeah. yeah and when we say longer we're talking about like milliseconds you know so yeah it's absolutely it's, it's like a blink of an eye you, you wouldn't even recognize it it's longer yeah
1: Um, Jordan sorry sorry where's that um cloud boom echo where's the the number three sit on the scale of uh stiff foam versus soft foam with with the shoes that you tested where did that fall
2: yeah I mean of the on the echo I think we had the six six different options and it was essentially like the fifth um softest let's say yeah Mm -hmm. there was one which was like really soft but it just bottoms out so like when you put all mm-hmm. the
3: force into the shoe and nothing comes back it's like on a pillow or a yeah. marshmallow
4: nightmare is a shoe bottom yeah but it's my
3: yeah, yeah. well we're i can bottom out a dragonfly but i can't bottom out a ten thousand. i think i think the spikes are just enough foam and there's just a touch more resilient i reckon so but oh. John, it,
1: on the, on the
4: uh, cloud boom echo it, you know you said that um Obviously, you can't please everyone based on the run of the body weight, the force they're putting through it. Are you going to, like other brands, are you going to have like a another uh, top tier marathon road racing shoe that sort of sits alongside that, but provides another option for, say, a runner wanting a soft, a slightly softer um, ride? Is that happening?
2: Yeah, that will happen eventually. Um, I mean, based on the timeline, we had to build the Cloud Boom Echo Three to get it ready. We couldn't really do multiple different designs of shoes um at once we needed to get one really good option out there Um, and that's what we've done in the beginning but yeah definitely as we move now towards paris uh this time next year there's definitely going to be more options for the athletes i mean the eagle-eyed listeners out there they would probably see it on different race start lines a lot of different options In, i mean you can even just look at the world athletics the list there the amount Mm. of prototypes that we register you can yep. see there are a lot of options and that could be based on different running techniques, different distances, events, yep. and so on. Yeah. So. Yeah. And even where the world
3: is not, not in athletics, but in the triathlon world, I remember seeing, I'm uh, not sure if it was the world, it might've been the, I'm not sure if it was Kona was, uh, Gustav was wearing a a really high stack on shoe that looked really compliant underfoot. So there was very, I, I'm sure triathlon have changed their rules now. I think, I think they're mm-hmm. like equivalent to the world athletics rules, but um we've seen more variation of that sort of on templates um, like super shoe um, in other sports um, like the triathlon world. And will we see, will we see those types of um, prototypes maybe come to the market or you think they'll just probably been too individualized for the athlete and they were a a sort of just a trial period, they might not make it to the market.
2: Do you mean like products which are over the 40 millimeter limit or
3: yeah. Yeah. So we've seen a couple brands doing over the 40 meter limit mm-hmm. and use them as training shoes, for example. And, um, I think someone wore an out of this one in a, in a, uh, a marathon not long ago and got DQ would for, I think that was the, uh, the prime X off memory. So yeah. will they, will they stick beneath the limit? Cause it's just no point selling shoes that are, uh, that are above the limit.
2: Yeah. So we've, we've definitely got training shoes in the pipeline, which are a little bit a touch over, um, but they won't be registered with, I mean, they won't get through the regulations anyway. But when it comes when it comes to racing shoes, right now we're just focusing all of our energy on products which will be able to be approved. You mm-hmm. can understand probably it's still only one year to Paris, so we've got to really double down and focus on what can make a difference for the athletes in the competition. And then they have training shoes, which would be a little bit over. Um, the Gustav whole situation was really really good for us actually, even though it was <laughs> you know a bit maybe controversial um yeah. the collaboration which we've built up with the these Norwegian athletes and their coaches really allowed us to have a, a different perspective like an outsourced kind of expertise really adding value to our whole product creation process with the way that they collect and analyze a lot of data like three times a day essentially um, <laughs> and feeding that into our product creation is like just like a, yeah. a turbo engine like you know, <laughs> on the side. um, I actually have the shoe, the Gustav shoe here that you he oh, actually want to race some cone in. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... So what is the
1: stack out of that?
2: This one, I'm not allowed to say, but it's it's oh. over 40.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know if someone can, uh, with like some tool, like measure that. the screen.
1: We'd need to know <laughs> your <laughs> head size.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> For reference, this is an iPhone... <laughs> and this is the shoe, so yeah. Oh, that's
1: brilliant. Um, Jordan, yeah. with with all the um athlete centric development and feedback, do you do you feel like maybe the shoes come out a little elitist for the general market? Mm, that's a good
2: question. Um I think what we create can benefit everyone, definitely. Although when I go to like major marathons and I see runners and this is not to say anything bad about this type of runners but when I see runners in let's say the five six seven hours running a marathon in a super shoe and they're not really activating all of the tools of that super shoe I feel like maybe they have the wrong shoe on and there's definitely a market where you could create a super shoe for somebody who's running or spending quite a lot of time out on the roads there Um, that Mm -hmm. definitely is a huge opportunity and um, yeah, so I don't think it, the shoes are for necessarily for everyone the, the way they're built, but there's definitely an opportunity for uh, people who, who are taking a little bit longer to to do those races. Similar, like mm. if you look at like an iron distance triathlon, you have to run a marathon after mm-hmm. many hours already out and the, the swim and the bike. And also that type of taking an off the shelf super shoe, even for like pretty decent iron distance triathletes, is also maybe not the best option either. Um, so it, it's, it's fun for me cause it means there's like endless work to do, you know, in the future.
1: Do you, you have must, to you consider must... the market though when you're creating shoes or are you primarily focused on what Helen O'Beary will wear to run two hours, 15 at, at Chicago or wherever she runs?
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. The primary job for us is to create the products for our elite athletes to succeed. Mm. Um, but pretty much every product we create does get commercialized and sold. So everyone can feel exactly the same as what the athletes feel as well. Um, yeah. There's, but we have to choose a lane and we yeah. have to choose the one which is, you know, allowing the athletes to really reach their full potential on the, the highest level of the sport. Um, and I think that's that's an okay thing to say, you know.
1: Yeah. I think you guys... Though, from It is... It, from. Yeah.
3: You've got to be pretty proud of how quickly the performance product has come to play the past couple of years. Um, I have to say this. My my wife sort of said historically when you saw on shoes here in Australia specifically, the, pe- the population you'd see it were people who were buying it as a casual shoe and pushing around shopping trolley carts, for example, in high socioeconomical malls. You weren't seeing runners wearing on shoes mm-hmm. at all, um, especially here in Australia. And we're just starting to see people, it's a, a, a small titration of people wearing it as daily trainers now with the advent of shoes like the Cloud Monster, Uh, even the new Cloud Stratus, for example, as well. The three is probably a bit of an upgrade from the previous one, which is a bit more stack and more response. So the shoes have gone from being um, a concept that's interesting, that looks really nice to a performing product as well. And that's happened all within three years, I would say.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the key strategic reasons why we have the department, which I work in, is really to bring performance credibility to the brand for the long term. I mean, we started out as a high performance um, product. The first ones were, Mm -hmm. you know, for triathletes and marathon runners. And then as the popularity of the brand grew, of course, we added more products and people started using them for everyday uh, lifestyle use, let's say. But yeah, the the huge focus. And I think my department's probably the one getting the most resources and investment in the whole brand. Um, And you can see the results of that now coming to fruition in the, in your stores and with athletes and so on um It is really focused on high performance and not cutting corners, and really doing the best thing for the most for the the best product. And I've worked in a lot of brands that say that, but they don't really do it. It's still mm. way more commercially driven, and not really the the very, very, very best for the athlete. So, yeah, this is
3: a this, big reason why this, you
2: joined on. Yeah,
3: and this is just it. You've had a history in the footwear industry for such a long period of time now. 10 years ago could you imagine yourself working in a performance industry with the materials you have the like the 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 last 6 or 7 years have been the most interesting part of performance footwear I can well since I've been alive so could you imagine that you're building products using these types of materials and engineering shoes to create a harmonious perfect shoe for these athletes you know 10 years ago when you were working at other brands like did you think that was always going to happen or do you think you know this is just the way it is now this is the norm
2: um I couldn't imagine it, but back then, like for example, I started in Adidas and my boss was the guy who invented Adi Zero, Kawe Hadgio. He's like a shoe craftsman yeah. from Japan. And he like taught me a lot of shoe craft and so on, and specifically for running shoes. He was making highlight slashy shoes when he ran 203.59 and yeah. breaking world records. And back then it was all about the lighter, the better, you know, super lightweight, but really nicely comfortable constructed shoes and the human body adapted mm. to train and racing them. Um, mm. obviously the evolution now with, um, super shoes and so on. I think the real re or the, the big reason why this shift took a long time was because people were completely looking in the wrong direction. They were always looking for lighter and more, you know, minimalistic type products Mm-hmm. And they missed the the big point that hey, if you've taken twenty one thousand steps in a marathon, that's twenty one thousand times your body's crashing into this hard city streets, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's your body's breaking down. And <laughs> unfortunately, back then, like there were some like options of like let's say super shoes with like max cushion, but the materials mm-hmm. were like like PU, Too like polyurethane. Yeah, it was like they were like mm-hmm. bricks. So. You're never yeah. gonna get a, a marathon runner wearing a brick, you know. I'll never forget yeah.
4: Jordan. My first marathon was in a traditional racing flat, and um, I'd done halves in them before, and they were great. And then marathon got to 22k, and my feet started to hurt, and I was like, "It's gonna be a long second, second half. Tell him,
3: tell him what shoe that was.
4: The Nike Mayfly.
3: Okay. Wow, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that shoe. Um, but then, yeah, a year later, um, yeah, Nike brought out the Super Shoe, and I was in that, and it was just like, and what I say to people now is like, I, it, it's not, it's not a, um, like, it's not a fad. It's not a thing that's going to, I think, fade away like Maximus type racing shoes are here to say mm. it's, it's a paradigm shift that I think is, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, you can't, I can't imagine going back basically.
2: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I have a slightly different opinion that the evolution of materials is going to keep, going and going we're not at the end yet and right now we're using a lot of material um Mm -hmm. for maxing out of 40 millimeters but especially like with sustainability and stuff and if you could use less material but get the same or even better effect i think that will happen eventually um
3: so a a responsive phone with less stack you think
2: yeah imagine like imagine Mm. your nike mayfly but with the same performance as a as a a current day super shoe you know that's probably like (laughs) what a lot of brands are trying to their Mm. innovation teams are probably working on it's not not a secret you know
3: it's uh yeah that's your dream tom (laughs)
1: yeah yeah
4: that would would be great
1: (laughs) you obviously focus heavily on looking at how footwear can aid performance um now we no performance comes from consistency, injury-free running. What, what do you guys consider in your footwear around managing the runner in terms of injury? Are there considerations?
2: Yeah, 100%. So actually, my team, we're not just doing competition performance footwear. We have this thing where we say 99% of the time is spent training and recovering and only 1% of the time in competition. So there's no point – you get into the start line for that one percent. If you've not had the the right tools to really, that's the cake. You know, the mm-hmm. the other thing is just the cherry on the top. But what people see, um, so we're really building a full product line for um, footwear and apparel because we do we do both for training and recovery as well. Um, we look at all the different types of training athletes do: easy run, long run. Tempo runs, legs, intervals, hills, uh, gym sessions in a gym, cross-training, mm-hmm. stuff outside of a gym, what athletes were traveling to a session, what they were during a session, what they change into right after, how that changes from summertime to wintertime. Um, like every every aspect of the athlete's life 24-7, uh, we're really diving into all those details and coming up with solutions for all of the different opportunities they have where they can maximise performance. Um, This is, it's so important for us. And that's just on the product side. Then we have a whole other 360 services, which we give them um, for everything outside of their training and racing.
1: Specifically on the um, product side, do you consider specific features of the shoes that can... um, uh... I guess, help with like more common injuries or is there a certain, um, is there a, a certain, I guess, injury causation paradigm you look at when you mm-hmm. develop a shoe and go, what am I trying to address with this shoe?
2: Yep. So obviously with the new evolution of shoes and carbon plates and stiffer elements, we do see a lot of, and you can, there's a lot of academic research right now being published mm-hmm. around a lot of like mm. lower leg injuries, Achilles, soleus, calf muscle, even up to the hamstring. And this is caused by, you know, the MTP joint in the forefoot just being locked and not being able to flex mm. and the, the foot working against that to try and flex when it's being restrictive and it tries even harder and puts even more tension there. Mm. So yeah, we remove like as much as possible, like plates from the training shoes to let the mm. foot train itself Um And we have different solutions for that, for easy runs, even for like track workouts um, or like more intensive workouts. So you're not wearing plated shoes all of the time. Uh, This is super
3: important. And then, yep. And you've maintained a couple um, of those elements within some of the high mileage trainers, like the speed board, for example, within mm-hmm. the the Monster and some of the other top ends and you've removed it in some of the more recent ones, like the Cloud Surfer, which I'm assuming you're using for more easy run days or strides and drills, et cetera, and trying to get a bit of variation within the runners, like um, loading patterns, I'm assuming.
2: Exactly, yeah. So exactly what you said. There's some products that mm-hmm. do have the speed board and some which don't, mm-hmm. and there's Mm. for both the ones that do and don't there's different levels of like you know low profile super minimalistic ones so we got Mm. a one called the cloud flash which does have the speed board it's a more traditional racing flat let's say and then we've got an option in a pipeline which you'll probably see some athletes wearing on social media it'll be coming out pretty soon and that one doesn't for example and same as you as you level up all the way to Mm. you know 44 millimeter high um training shoes let's say
1: Yeah, Jordan this is really interesting to me because you're explaining like your range how you guys think about developing the range Mm. and one of the problems within the running industry every brand's the same is that as the information and the brief around the shoe filters through sales and marketing and it finds its way to the shop floor no one knows this stuff no Mm -hmm. one's aware of it. it and it and it's it's my biggest frustration as a retailer is we're not telling the message the brand wants us to tell. Oh, we're telling the message the brand might want us to tell, but not you guys that are actually designing the shoes.
3: Well, that's a good point, Julian. Even though, because traditionally you're a retailer, so you used to have this wall that was like motion control, stability and neutral, right? categorically on don't really use those those categories and they probably shouldn't because there's not a lot of evidence suggesting they reduce risk of injury it's getting people to be educated on the purpose of each shoe that you design is difficult to deliver isn't it
2: i mean it's difficult when you've got like like all brands 10 to 15 different options you know mm. um it, it is difficult to get the right messages across i mean i think we we're trying to do a good job with like our our tools, which we create, which then filter through internally and then make it out yeah. to the real world, educational-wise. And I must say, like, the on-tech reps, I mean, I meet a lot of them. It's really exciting. I mean, I used to also yeah. be there, let's say, on the front line, the face of the consumer. So, yeah, I, I I value so much, like, that connection and, like, really getting the the right facts to them that they can really explain the product in the, you know, the most authentic way. Um, even when I used to work in a store, like I worked for like three years in the running store and the confidence you have as like a sales rep on the floor, mm. if like the tech rep is visiting your store quite often, like for example, the, there was a a guy always coming from ASICs and he would like tell you everything about the shoe all the time. He'd like bring in coffees, like you'd like really good relationship with the floor staff. And there was no no coincidence that those shoes were the ones that were the most sold because there's Mm. the store the the staff in the store they were most confident to sell those products where Mm. when you just get brands who just ship products and you never see anyone from the brand and you have to read it in a little book or whatever like you're just not going to bring that shoe off the shelf out to the customer after you've done a gate analysis to recommend it to them you know so it's i see the value in it massively um commercially for us as a business and it's why i try to get i think this year already like eight or nine times going to like marathon expos or events working with the the reps to really get the message across of what we're trying to convey to the the runners yeah
0: this week's episode of the inside running podcast is proudly sponsored by on double cloud tech to double your run the cloud stratus has always been a performance superstar with famously impressive cushioning on a road run for 5k up to a marathon the winning recipe is evolved into the Cloud Stratus 3, with noticeable performance and sustainability upgrades. The improved nylon speedboard adds a powerful forward roll and a shaved-off seconds to those double distances. While refined cushioning doubles down on the underfoot softness sensation, the Cloud Stratus is famous for to take your run further than before. Visit on.com or your specialty running retail store to grab your pair today.
1: Yeah, well, this is a, probably a good chance to um, take it back and talk about on when you arrived. Uh, so when did you start with the brand? Was it 2021?
2: Yeah, so August 21. So just yep. over two years now, yeah.
1: Yeah, and like I was like we've been as a retailer, I've been shown odd products for 10 years and um, never stopped it because I didn't think the product competed well in the market. I didn't like I thought everything was too hard, to be honest. Everything felt rock hard underfoot. Um and the range that I'm seeing for 2024 is one of the best ranges that I've ever seen. Um, and like, we are so excited as a retailer to be able to show that and use the tools that you're providing to us. But mm. talk, talk to us about Cloud Tech because mm. I reckon for a long time it was a, um, the major limitation almost to the brand in how it was used. Yeah. And you guys have seemed to use it as a strength these days.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it's obviously... If- very visual technology and it's instantly recognizable but explaining what it does is maybe the next hurdle for the consumer so i mean just going back it started with olivier bernhard he was the founder of on he was a professional triathlete and you know in the 2009 or so he he was a runner for nike he had a contract with nike and he'd do all this training in a pegasus but he was doing a lot of volume like you know 120 miles a week and his legs were really tired, so one day he finished the run, and he was sitting at home, and he, he seen like in his garden like the garden hose, and he thought, "Oh, what if I cut up that hose and glue it to the bottom, and it might add a bit more cushion?" And he did it, and um, he trained in it, and he, they all fell off, and so on, and then he did this so they stick. And then his uh, his roommate from his university days, he's seen it. He was more of a business guy, and he was like, "Oh, that's like a cool product, you know." So they started making like these rubber, kind of like a like a what like a a snowshoe like a, a thing you clip on the bottom of your shoe almost um but then obviously no one wants to buy a shoe and then have to buy this thing as well you know so then they said okay let's make a shoe and that was essentially what cloud tech was it was like rubber hoses on the bottom of a shoe pieces of rubber and then it evolved the what they thought of back then is actually still exactly the same today which is how the cushion works so you land on it and it deforms horizontal, uh, vertically and also horizontally. So, normal EVA or like other midsole properties pretty much all the time only has like a vertical deformation when you apply in forces from the top. Whereas the clouds, they were built in a structure in a certain way that when you land and you apply pressure, it dissipates the, the forces down to the ground and also a little bit vertically. Now, the materials used and the geometries and everything has obviously improved a lot. Um, What you see today is a lot more scientific, let's say, and engineered for durability and performance-wise, a lot better, I would say. Um, You can feel the benefits when you you wear the shoes. That's why there's probably such a huge, massive lifestyle use of the shoe because they are super comfortable. But also, when you look in the lab and you put it, on slow motion and so on and you look at the different forces being reduced at different um, joints and so on you can also see a benefit there as well so it can continually to be optimized and that's the journey which we're on with cloud tech um, it will keep evolving but there will also be like new technologies coming into the mid as well so our whole company cloud tech is our what's made us famous let's say and it's our DNA of the company but it, it shouldn't be like the only thing which we provide into the future as well. There's going to be a lot more other options, exciting options as well.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, what, are the, what are your limitations with cloud tech? Because perhaps we see maybe like um, with that big channel that runs down the middle and every cloud, do you call them clouds? Sorry.
2: Clouds, yeah. That, yeah.
1: Clouds, every cloud compressing kind of exclusively to the other. Some people feel unstable in them. Do you ever get that sort of feedback? Is that something that you guys look to? I mean, you have improved already, Mm -hmm. um, but almost reducing how deep they are?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it it depends a lot as well on what surface you run on or like the weight of the runner above it and where they strike the ground and so on. It can continually to be optimized. Um, Luckily now with like kind of like AI tools, we can use FEA, like finite element analysis where we can do, A lot of predictive models based on the structure of the product to predict the most optimal um, configuration of clouds and the geometries to really reduce a lot of you know what you just explained there of clouds kind Mm. of squeezing into each other and becoming a little bit unstable in the past you know when you're just making shoes without all of this digital tools it's Mm. have you seen like the the X and Y axis where you're like, fuck out, fuck around and find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for every yeah. brand, it, it used to be like that. And, mm. you know, we're no different. Like 10 years ago, you have to make something physically mm. or you find out. And yeah, now yeah. luckily we can make a lot of things digitally and find out digitally before you've ever made a physical product that you can eliminate so many defects and opportunities of instability. Mm. Um, but the first physical product you make is already so f- much further advanced than in the past when you have to play around with different physical
3: options. Yeah,
0: cool. um, and so
3: and by keeping the ethos of the um, the cloud tech, even the performance shoes, so the spikes, we're still seeing the um, the segmentation between the pods a bit, but just less dramatic. We're seeing more surface area in some of the new volume shoes now, like the Monster and the third version of Cloud Strata. So, and maybe even some of the foams are becoming more compliant now a little bit as well underfoot. So we're starting to see. Um, them evolve to basically being less segmented and more surface area and definitely becoming more, more functional as a running shoe as well, but still keeping that sort of traditional look as well. So you can see how it's evolved so much. It'd be interesting to to grab a shoe five years from now compared to what it was when it first began. Is this feedback coming from the general consumer or in the lab or from your performance athletes or a combination of all three?
2: Yeah, it comes from everywhere. We need to listen to everybody yeah. as well we need to listen to athletes who use it in high performance scenarios, consumers every day, retailers who are the middlemen selling the shoes. And like you said, you didn't, um, you didn't stock on for like quite a number of years. And now, now you're thinking of, I'm not sure if you, if you do now, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it's such critical stakeholders that you need to listen and you can't be like stubborn and kind of, you know, you know obnoxious like that you you need to listen and um come with solutions as well if if something clearly is not working so
3: Mm. yeah and a a big market growth i think julian will be able to confirm this as well Well, he i mean you grab like the echo boom the ten thousand spike and some of the cloud monsters which people have been wearing for the past two to three years but specifically in australia as well we've had a bit of a boom in terms of just the marketing of the on stuff but also at a grassroots level, like, I mean, I organized a, a local race here, a cross-country relay race, a mixed relay, like a, a surrogate to like state relay from like what's equivalent to like Bathurst because we had the world cross-country here mm-hmm. early in the year. And ON were happy we're happy to jump on board and, you know, give some some product for the, for the winners and performers. In Athletics Victoria, we're starting to see ON sponsor some of those races, which are some of the best races in Australia. And now we're seeing it on a global scale where they've got these on nights as well, so we're starting to see on really get involved with um, people that love not just recreational running but also at the high performing running connecting the two communities and investing in that. I'm not sure if that's what your team is involved in, but can you talk a little bit about what what's the strategic plan there because it's definitely definitely more like we're seeing people know your product because you are investing at the source of grassroots athletics.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say one sentence and you have to remember it. I said it earlier and that's that we want to be true to the sport. You know, we don't just want to buy an athlete who's going to win us a medal and market that and say, hey, we're the best because we've got the fastest athletes. That's like, that's just a shortcut and it's not true to the sport. It's like, like being a culture vulture or just buying a culture. Like that's Mm. not going to help us in the long term. So like Mm. what you said, I think it was like was it Victoria Milers Club, some events. Yeah. In? Is that yeah. in like, what's the place? Box, Box Hill. Is Box, it? Hill. Yeah. Box Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Like at Box yeah. Hill, like uh, your cross country races. I know like Luke Bell there in Australia. He's mm. he's really like dialed into the local community. And um, mm. even like having Ollie go and do the, what are the two races he did in, um, in oh, the Tasmania. Yeah. The Bernie mile and, you know, coming on the back of Bathurst, going to the race yeah. in Melbourne, the, the mm-hmm. Mary Plant meeting, yeah. doing the mile. Yeah. It. Like yeah. building up the Oceana OAC group with Craig Mottram and, uh, Claudia mm-hmm. Tess and, uh, Ben Buckingham, all the, you know, trying to bring Aussie athletes who might've gone to college in the U.S. and giving them an opportunity mm-hmm. back home as well. Like we're trying to invest in like all the different levels of grassroots from like high schoolers, cross country events, um, you know, kind of like your Victoria Milers clubs. Yeah. It's more elite level with like the OEC, Oceana, mm-hmm. for athletes who might want to make that step. Um, yeah, it's, we're trying to like do it in a good way and what you mentioned there as well, this on-track night, so we'll mm-hmm. be at the Zatapak. I think mm-hmm. it's in uh, Thursday, December. December. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, really trying to make a presence and try to improve the experience of not just the athletes, but also the fans and the engagement. I think the meet in Melbourne was really good. The one, the Murray plant meet, it was yeah. like on the back of world cross country. It was really cool. And we're going to try and take that to the next level again with our, um, with our on track nights. I mean, you might see videos of what we did in London, Paris, Vienna, and Los yeah. Angeles. So, you know, yeah. bring in food trucks and beer trucks and like, Giving away like free food and beer, having like good yep. food, food yeah. food days. Making um, it fun.
4: Getting,
2: yeah, getting the crowd in the middle of the track. Um mm. not like not gimmicky fun, but actually like yep. uh, fun, fun, you know. Genuinely like, like, fun, yeah. festival. Festival yeah, exactly. of running, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we we actually hope that like other brands try and do the same as well, you know, to really yep. try to reignite the excitement of athletics. Like
1: um, yeah. Um, can you show us some shoes mate they're all on the side of the screen and I know is Nita, about to jump through and rip them out of your hand okay so
2: <laughs> we'll, we'll start on one thing and we'll, we'll get to the, the, the exciting oh. stuff at the end so when we started in um, August 21 and we had some handmade shoes then we moved to first prototypes and this is what we had at the Milrose Games so it was very simple you can see mm. there's not even clouds in this shoe at this point Mm-hmm. um we'll get to the evolution of that and you can see mm-hmm. kind of the inside of the shoe it was extremely simple you know yep the reality is that like the the more impact you can reduce on the body and you can save the the lower legs it's like as much cushion between the foot and the ground as possible you can have as much foam as possible as well to have a longer mm-hmm. lever arm they're like no secret what our secrets are what is the formulation of the foam of the plate the combination of the two mm-hmm. The fit, yep. of course, um, yep. those are things you can't copy, let's say, just by looking at them. Yeah. So this was the first spikes, and we started with this one. This was from January 2022. Mm-hmm. Then we evolved to the next round, um, which you've seen in, um, in Eugene a little mm-hmm. bit before that. We've got some extremely famous spikes here. So unfortunately, it's not the most famous pair of spikes in Australia right now. Um, those ones at his parents' house, but these are Ollie Haw's spikes when he ran a three forty seven mile in Oslo um, uh, yeah. in June twenty twenty two. So he did he broke Stewie's Australian record. He tried to chase down Jakob Ingebrigtsen, didn't quite get him, but um, <laughs> mm. I think he ran three forty seven point three. It could have been four point six. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, yeah, we had quite some Helen Obees afterwards in Oslo. <laughs> and it's quite funny because. These were prototypes, and we literally had one pair of them in this size. And luckily, George Beamish, he was on the wait list for Oslo, and he didn't get into the race, but he got into the Paris race 48 hours later. Yep. So after the race, the next morning, uh, Dathan got on a plane from Oslo to Paris and took the spikes with him. And then George, <laughs> George Beamish wore the same pair of spikes to, um, to qualify, essentially, for the World the, the world champs in Eugene he ran in Paris time yeah, yeah. League and uh, got his time and so on so yeah this was the the pair of spikes they actually they cracked at a certain point you can maybe see mm-hmm. here the plate oh, yeah. kind of come away oh, yeah. a little bit um, yep. it's like prototypes there's things mm. can happen I guess yeah and then we got we got them back to Ollie, and then now they're in my office but yeah so this was the spikes and this eventually become the cloud spike 10,000 which is now on yep. sale which
3: Everyone is yep. wearing we and add- uh, just quick, yep. just quickly on that one, everyone's wearing them for everything. The fifteen hundred yeah. that people are wearing the fifteen hundred for the fifteen hundred. They're wearing the ten thousand for the fifteen hundred. Can you, can you? I mean, I, I think I know why, but can you give a <laughs> bit of an insight as to why?
2: Yeah. So unfortunately, when we registered everything with World Athletics, we didn't know the exact end use of like what all athletes would use them for. And when we designed that spike, it was okay, a little bit more cushion for longer races and a little bit less for like the middle distance races. But Mm -hmm. then when we got further into it, then it was like, okay, that's clearly the best one, which all the athletes prefer, but the name was already registered and everything all set up and, you know, ready to go, um, to retail. So we couldn't really change anything, unfortunately, but yeah, as we move forward, we won't put like distances behind the name of spikes. They'll have like a slightly different name. Um, yeah, I mean, the 1500 spike, I think it's still, it's a very different spike. It, it's built very differently. Um, we do have a lot of athletes who prefer that one. But yeah, the 10,000 seems to be the one for the 1500 runners. Um, yeah. Then we've got um, and a slight evolution of the 10,000 one where we just uh, changed the upper materials specifically for steeplechase. Mm. So this is what Geordie ran yeah. in, in Budapest last week. So he signed the shoe. Um awesome. Yeah, so this one, um, just a, a slight material update, but on the same same geometries.
1: So, J- Jordan, yeah. um, mm-hmm. if if he's running in a prototype, but it's not going to go to market, is that in a championship? I thought there was rules around that.
2: Yeah, so this one, because it's just a material change on the upper, and we sell some of them here in Zurich, this is, is approved. Uh, the regulations okay. is... Everything we submit to World Athletics, it's all around stack mm. heights and um, the plate. But if you want to change the color of the shoe, or change mm. the the laces, or like mm. yeah. uh, update the material mm. slightly, then this is okay. That's fine. So, yeah, it's essentially just a a material um, gotcha. adjustment. Gotcha. Yeah. And then what else do we got? Okay, so we got this is the first prototype of the Club Mac O three. It's with mm. us. It's got version number ten, two hundred seventy-five grams. So this was the one which uh, Tedeschi Abraham ran the Swiss national record in. He ran two hundred six thirty-eight in the Zurich Marathon in March twenty twenty-two. Um, it's a slightly different upper, different foam, and different plate. And then we go to, let's say, the final shoe, which is still in a old color of the Cloudbreak Echo Three, where we optimize a lot like the slight different position of the clouds, the position of the plate within the clouds, the upper, uh, the the rubber on the bottom, we changed the compound yep. for a slightly mm-hmm. more grippy compound. Um, and also the fit in the shoe in the forefoot to give a bit, a bit better fit Brilliant. in the forefoot. That's the one which is now at retail. And then the last one, which was the Gustav shoe from Kona, <laughs> which was a modified version of the cloud Boom Echo 3. Um, yep. And this was based on the fact that in triathlon, at least back then there was no regulations on stack heights. So we could really, um,
3: yeah, just go for it. And, yeah. And I'm not sure if you can show us, but I know there was another one built for triathlon as well. It might've been the one that Helena Berry wore for the marathon. Um, yeah. Uh, is, will that one come to the market or? Yeah. So I, that was,
2: yeah. that was officially sold here in Zurich. Um, So we sold that one in around February, January, February, early this year. Um, And that allowed us to then commercialize it. So it's used in triathlon In triathlon. You're not allowed to use prototypes at all. Um, And then, yeah. So we got all approved from world athletics. How many Um, units did you sell? Oh, we can't disclose any sales data. Unfortunately, that's not, you know, we're,
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it, Let's have a look it, at that one. Let's have a look yeah. at
3: that one. That's, so, yeah. this is the shoe which Helen
2: <laughs> wore in Boston. Yeah. So she signed it here. It yep. was great for us. It was our first major marathon win. Um, it was cool because we developed this shoe with the triathlete guys, uh, yep. the Norwegian triathlete guys. And then we also had some of our marathon runners testing it. And Helen loved yep. it. So, that's the shoe she pulled out the bag for, for Boston and wore that day. Um, what's the difference?
1: Well, yeah. What's the difference to it, the Cloud Boom Echo 3? What are the real the real characteristic difference.
2: Yeah, we can't go into so much details just yet. Um mm-hmm. you'll you'll see soon but yeah, it's um yeah, you'll see soon <laughs> for <it> that one.
3: <laughs> rock is good. I could definitely see there's more rocker on that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit. Yeah, we also had athletes running Budapest um mm-hmm. this past week. Uh Johannes Chapanelli, Italian guy, he got 11th mm-hmm. in the world uh the world champs marathon. He had a crack Ma- Yeah, a a mile to go. He got all the way up to fifth place. Mm. And then he just like, yeah, he used his gas a little bit too early. And um, yeah, unfortunately, but that was only his second ever marathon. So we're excited what he can do in the future. Um, Yeah, so it's exciting for us, the product team, to see all the athletes performing. And I always say, you know, the athlete is the cake and the product is just icing on top. Mm. Um, Yeah, so it's exciting for us to work with such good athletes, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, how about we just fire a few at him now, boys, just to finish off. Um, <laughs> we've got a segment, I forget what we call it now, but I, it's like, what's your favourite? Sh- it, it's like all-time favourite shoes. So back in the day when you're racing around that track at college, like what's uh, what's the, the shoe that you look back on the most fondly?
2: Okay, I've got, can I choose three? Yeah, three, yeah. Okay. Yep. okay, so... I went to college in like 2007 to 2010, and back then it was like Nike Free was the big all the rage. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I used I like I used to do everything in a Nike Free 5.0 V2, wow. and I would rip like 52 second 400 meters, and I'd do like yeah. four mile tempos in like 20 minutes in them. And That just... shoe
3: became so popular, didn't it? When Motram released the big Mzungo, remember the yes. doco in about 2007 seven yeah. eight, And um, yeah, but everyone was wearing that shoe here. It was like one of the most popular market shoes, but it, you used it for speed work. You weren't wearing flats. You were wearing that for your speed. I
2: I mean, you know, when you're like, I think then it would have been like 19 or so, you're kind of indestructible. Mm-hmm. You can just <laughs> get away with anything. Yeah, yeah and it, it just felt so good. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I had a friend who worked at Nike and he just sent me like, you know, like, 10 pairs of them and it's like mm. yeah especially when you're a student and you're a bit tight so yeah so that that like yeah that's got good memories for me because the feeling of just like running fast and you can put your foot on the gas and you're not even getting tired mm. uh, it's probably more to do with like training than, that than the footwear but yeah um, <laughs> the second second one back in the day was the Zero Avanti spike that was like my best training spike oh, yeah. helped yeah. worked on that with um, Kowei Haggio my Japanese boss there in Adi Zero. So that was one of the first spikes I worked on, mm. the OG one. Um, yeah, that was that was a little mm. bit like what we're doing here and on. Like there was no boundaries. It was just what's the best yeah. and most optimal for the athlete. Number one, I'm not going to say the name of the brand, but the sh- it's called Victory. And it was the first <laughs> one. And yeah, I ran all my personal bests. I ran the yeah. first time I broke 150 and 800 was in that spike. And what can even- the OG, the red bottom with the white mm. with grayish one, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you probably the Beijing 08 Olympic color,
3: it might be that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've still got a pair of these at home. Split through the side, you know how they use the fly wire split through the side eventually in them, no matter what. So, yeah, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And then in
2: during COVID, I found on eBay, I found another pair, the white, white <sighs> yep. and blue ones, and because yep. it was in lockdown, I was doing loads of training, and it got like I got quite fit. I think I ran like a one fifty two eight hundred in them, and I was like, I was like, shit, they're just gonna like fall apart coming off the top end, you know. <laughs> but trying to roll back the gears and uh, couldn't walk for like a few days after.
1: <laughs> but
2: yeah, that that for me is like personally the outside of honor would say the the best ones, and then coming to the modern day, some of the prototypes we have right now, I just like can't wait to race because I like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah.
3: yeah. As it rejuvenated, you're like you 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 want to race the like three k five k ten k's and see how you can go because the shoe just just perceptually makes it a bit easier than what it what it what it was what it is when you're wearing those other traditional flats.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Like the past couple of years, like you know, we do track workouts and like really be sore for a few days, and now we yeah. can jump in with you know some of the best guys here and I don't know run like six hundred of their eight hundreds and so on and mm. not be so be- beaten up. Um, yeah, that, that's a nice feeling and gives you so, the, the appetite, yeah. Ob-
3: ob- objective question, because you, you were eight on a meter guy, one forty forty eight, were you? 149, yeah. 149. So uh, ne- like back then, you're given the on 10,000. What do you run?
2: I think I could have got down to low 147s. There was another issue that I was living in Vietnam, working in a shoe factory. So it was not very <laughs> conducive to like, <laughs> High performance training, let's say. Mm. So, I think I left a few seconds on the table just from a, a work lifestyle point of view. But combine that with the spikes, I think 47 is definitely possible. Yeah. All
1: right. What's, um, what's really exciting you at Tell the moment in the world of footwear?
2: What's exciting me in footwear?
1: Yeah. Like when you go to, I'm sure you see photos. I'm sure you got mates at other companies. Like, what do you, yeah. what excites you right now?
2: Well, I mean, a political answer is like, I'm excited that there's way more brands being able to play and not just one mm. and giving the athletes mm. an unfair advantage with a, a product. Um, just
1: on that though, sorry, John. Yeah. We, we hear that a bit, but um, why was it unfair?
2: It was unfair that some athletes didn't have access to some of the tools, especially if you look at like the US Olympic trials for the 2016 Olympics, the three women who made the team had like a super shoe access and the women in fourth and fifth um, they couldn't they requested to get the shoes and they couldn't get them and um we all know the benefit of a super shoe versus mm. a traditional racing flat especially in a marathon so i think there was a it's it maybe it wasn't an unfair playing field because some athletes decide to sign with one brand versus another um mm. but from a purist point of view you you would expect that everyone in the starting line has access to the same opportunity um and i think now that is much more of a, a fairer playing field I mean, if you look at Formula One, you know, like, yeah, they're all great drivers, but in, you mm. stick the guy in 20th and the car, the car in number one, and he's going to win the race, you know, it's, mm. uh, we, we don't really want that in our sport to that extent that it's the product, which is enabling an athlete to win and not the physical preparation and talent. Yeah. Yeah. But what is exciting me, um, yeah. I'm excited that I like, might be contradicted to what I've just said, but I'm excited that technology <laughs> is such a huge role because it gives me a job and it makes it exciting for yeah. all of us that we can, you know, because our sport's really tough, you know. It's not easy. Mm. And it's like even just saying there, you know, the fact that we can just jump back into track workouts and not fear being mm. injured and so on, that's also a really nice thing as well. Yeah. Can you it's give that definitely a, been...
4: a bit of a... a... A taster to see what what they should be excited about um, next year. Paris Olympics. There must be some exciting products coming out from you guys. Yeah, I can
2: I wish I could tell you, but like yeah. it is like <laughs> it's just it's like a cliche thing. But like we are kind of just getting started. And yeah. imagine what we did in such a sp- short space of time with not mm. many people. We did that with three three of us, and now we're like almost thirty people with a lot more time. Yeah. And a lot yeah, more wow. learning and so on. It's like
4: so. It's very exciting, then.
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it. Like, because we're on a New York stock exchange, but like, I think we're going to be like, we have good value in our company in the
3: future. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: Well, it's well, that's got to
3: be exciting. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's growing in our store, that's for sure. And it's we've talked a lot about spikes and ratios, the niche stuff, which as a retailer, like you said. is training and recovery and 1% is competition. That's what our stores are like too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get excited by like the 2024 training range. That's not just dollar signs, but like I like to be able to provide people shoes and and watch their face when they put it on and go, holy shit, this is for jogging? Like am I allowed to jog in Mm. this? (laughs) Um, And that's what I've felt with a couple of the samples I've already been shown. Yeah.
2: I I created the shoe here. Um, I'm not going to say the name because I'm I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, but essentially on the inside of the shoe, I wrote like fresh legs or fast legs. And it's like, you know, if you can wake up in the morning and your legs feel good, then you can Mm -hmm. obviously enjoy your running and so on. And same for the athletes if they're banging a hard track session one night and the next morning they feel a bit tired and they don't fear that like they're going to have to get 15 Ks in and slog it around. They've got a product which can, help with that so we,
3: we're gonna see a few more big boys coming to the training market next season then more than likely
2: yeah i think so but with a yeah. lot more mm. not so traditional materials either like a lot of um really good mm. tech injected into them too yeah
1: all right mm. boys any more questions yeah. for Jordan?
3: look where where can people follow you and keep up date with all the on stuff like social media etc where where can people keep up to date with all the knowledge
2: yeah. I mean, you got to follow that on Instagram. I think we're just at on now. I'm not sure how we acquired that one, but yeah, we're now at on and you can see all of our stuff there. Um, Yeah. And then you find me on social media, just Jordan D Donnelly. You'll see some, yeah, some exciting stuff maybe of the inside, what it's like working with the athletes day in, day out. And I want to like, I want to finish and like, if <laughs> you've started with, it's like, you know, you can't have like all 30 of us here on the podcast, but I represent like a huge team. Um and it's not possible without all the other people. And um I hope everyone really understands that, that. You know, I'm a guy who's sitting on a podcast and wherever, but there's like so many people behind it making it happen. And uh like last week in Budapest, of course it's a massive budget and so on, but we take like the whole mm-hmm. team there to really celebrate and enjoy the big moment and um I don't
1: think I don't think you brought Belly yet. He's still he didn't bring Luke <laughs> Belly yeah, the family. A bit... <laughs> At least yeah. The family. Yeah, maybe you go to like
2: Hawaii or Kona or something. He's like, he's into oh yeah, they
1: love him over and there and stuff. Yeah, right. they, they would love him there. Mm. Um, all right. Well, mm. are you on Strava, mate? Because we have big Strava. Yeah, we my Strava.
2: Fans. Yeah, you have to start with MTTC and then my name, oh. and M T T C is Muffin Top Track Club. So it's <laughs> me and my friends, like you know. Kind of retired runners, um, gaining some muffin tops. So, wear the
3: muffin top track yeah, club. Good. Well, have yeah. to write that down and remember that.
4: Oh, found you. There we go.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Right, Tommy. That's... Tommy. Yeah. Well, these boys are both lining up the Sydney Marathon, Jordan. So they're both two fourteen guys, and there's a bit of cash on the line there. So, mm.
2: okay, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll follow your journey on Strava, and we can see when is the race. Is it first? Is it coming up? Right?
1: Seven, two weeks. weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I was speaking with uh, a guy down your way, Sean Whip. He's an athlete manager, and he was telling me the mm-hmm. ins and outs of who's who signed up. And aren't they going f- trying to be another
1: major? Yeah, yes. yeah.
4: yeah it did, did crap. Yeah,
1: yeah. spent most of their budget on Tommy though. <laughs> 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 okay, guys. Uh, will so you, will last one. Last will one. You no. oh, sorry,
3: will you be down for I said, will you be down for Zadipik?
2: Yeah, let's see if my wife allows me to to travel that <laughs> far. let's see. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh I have got one question for you guys what what are we aiming for in Sydney Put your times out
1: there? Oh, times? Tell me go. Uh
4: okay, I'm going to sandbag it. I reckon um it's hilly course, right? <laughs> right here we go. <laughs> yeah, listen can,
3: to it. Can him. I predict? I'm, I'm, have impartial. A to it. I
1: predi-
3: I'm impartial, should I predict?
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you so predict. I think-
3: I reckon Tom runs 2.16 and comes first Australian home, and I reckon Julian runs 2.18 and is about third Australian
1: home. Crazy guys. You're fast. No, it ain't happening. I love it, but it ain't happening.
2: Nice. I've I've (laughs) run one race in Sydney. It was the Centennial Park Park Run, and I won it, so that's my claim to fame. Oh, yes. Oh, great. Yeah.
1: That's like a mini Olympics in Sydney. It is. (laughs) All right, mate. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a big uh, this has been a big thrill for us. No, yeah, really pleasure. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll say goodbye.
2: Yeah. Take thanks care Jordan, and yeah, hope to see you soon. Thanks
1: John.
0: Special thanks to On for sponsoring this episode of the Inside Running podcast. Cushioning or performance? Why not take both? The Cloud Stratus 3 evolves a legend with an updated speedboard and even softer cushioning and innovative new design features. All added to double cloud tech cushioning to double the comfort without slowing you down. Visit on.com or your specialty running retail store today to grab your pair.